Hello, Sky friends, and welcome to Seasons of Skyrend, Book 4. We're a custom 5e D&D adventure that focuses on the stories of our characters as they seek to change the world, and how the world responds in turn. I am your host and DM, Scott, and you can find me on Twitter at TheScottBlake. Hi, I'm Chris, and you can find me at EwokKiller on Twitter. I play Finnegan Finn Tempest, a tiefling trainer, which is a Skyrend original class supported by the Metalweave Games supplement Baby Beastry. Finn is the trainer of Cerulius, a blue guard drake. Hi, my name is Nate. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Nate. I play Darvin Grimm, the human monk, and I am currently hosting Cade, the demigod of the land in my brain. Hi, I'm Shannon. You can find me on Twitter at Skyrend underscore Shannon. I play Aranus Gray, the god of rebellion, and I am a half-elf bard. You can also find the show on Twitter at Skyren Podcast, and you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Head on over to find out about bonus chapters, early access, NPC creation, and more. Now then, thank you for joining us, and please enjoy this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. Your stay in Capris was short, most notably marked by gathering intelligence and reconnecting with a certain tavern owner. The transformation of the Well of Departure would need to remain the concern of others, and the fate of the refugees from Honey Hollow, a story for another day. With Levesque undoubtedly nearing his goal in Lyranor, time and reinforcements would need to take precedence. Asturias with the help from allies in the Bent Bow, was able to provide information on a powerful blue dragon, Veriflox, located on Celestia. Though Asturias hasn't joined the practice herself, there are other hunters from her guild that have led several parties against Veriflox. By all accounts, they are a very old and rambunctious dragon who seems more disturbed by the lack of challenge and danger the hunters provide, rather than by the act of being hunted. The continent of Celestia lies across the great oceans from Sarakar in an east-northeasterly direction, straddling the winter and autumn bands. Although it is significantly smaller than Sarakar, it boasts a diversity of peoples and landscapes that few other lands provide. Since the Fourth Age, it has been ruled by the dwarves of the Court of Hammers, but that has largely been for matters of national or international nature. The cities and villages themselves have long held to their own standards. This was further amplified after the continent was fractured into dozens of main islands that now comprise the bulk of the territory. The chasms between these islands vary in width from feet to miles. Ambitious and enterprising locals have built bridges across many of these chasms in order to reconnect the land, though other more creative means have been seen in use. However, you did not come to Celestia to meet the locals or learn of their history. You came seeking out Veriflox to ask for their aid. With banners and trinkets to help convince them of your peaceful intent, you took the airship into the crags to find their nest. The cloud cover and excessive lightning provided a challenge, but you soon found yourselves at a massive opening in the rock face. 
the interior shrouded by darkness and thick clouds, with only a point of intense blue light cutting through. Veriflox has acknowledged your presence, but little else. What do you do? What would you like to do? I feel like that's my cue, right? It's anybody's cue. Whoever wants to jump in. Literally, you can jump into that cavern. I mean, you'd have to fly the ship into it. but Or you could stay out here and try to coax them out. Will you remind me, did we get any more information from Astorius about more about the, like, nature of this dragon i'm just thinking like like orizaba was called orizaba the wise right? uh, uh. does this dragon have like a like a sir type name like that that we would know hmm don't know it's not common for all dragons because you've met others who have not had those types of titles and right and whatnot uh, let's see so far i've been using the word rambunctious to describe them but I don't know if that would be a fitting title. Let's just go to the thesaurus. The boisterous, the energetic, the raucous, the rowdy, the unruly. Mm. These are all fun words, but I don't think that they... I don't think that they fit. I don't think it's something that they would take on as like, like, yes, I want to be known as this. They just kind of are. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth and Vizcara did not have fancy names. So, Veriflox does not either. Okay. They have probably been given such names in the past, uh, but not a name that they choose to be called. All right. Then, right, I see that the has taken note of us, but hasn't done anything else. Right. Um, and, uh, before we get any deeper in, just remind you, uh, Veriflox uses they, them. Thank you. Okay, I I want to be saying this in a, like, much more, I don't know, booming type way than I'm going to into my mic. But you get the idea. Yes. Okay. Confidence. Loud. Yeah, sure. Which I'm not feeling at the moment at all. Um... Oh, mighty Veriflox, we seek parley with you on a matter of great urgency. Urgency? I mean the fight with Levesque, not the Phoenix Egg, just to be clear okay. as to what I am referring to. <laughs> because I know that like the Phoenix Egg is why we're here, but I don't think that's why we're going to get them to talk to us. You never know. You never know. That's what dice are for here. True. True, true. Well, okay. If I recall correctly, Finnegan had been the first to address Veriflox using that prismatic dragon claw mm-hmm. as kind of proof of intent, with some manner of success, too, as Veriflox did respond and acknowledge your presence. And now Arnis, just asking for a chat. Let's start with a simple persuasion roll. Um, that's a... that's a 30. Hmm. Okay, then. From deep within the darkness of this cave, this cavern, that blue light glows brighter, crackles, and you can hear claws scraping along the stone, and a voice echoing out from within. Great importance, you say. How great? 
What is the breadth of this concern? First, thank you for responding. <laughs> we are puny humans. Um, puny, not dragons. <laughs> Let's say very few humans on board. <laughs> right. I, I realized that as soon as I said it. I was like, wait, that's that ain't it. We are puny, not dragons. Uh, first, thank you for answering the call. Second, we hear that you are greatly insulted by those that have come to hunt you in the past, and rightly so. We offer you the opportunity to hunt those worthy of your skill. You know of the hunters, then? Yes, it's not so much their attempts that bothered me, but the poor attempts. A waste of my time to turn them away. If I am to be hunted, I should at least enjoy it, yes? Oh, I, I absolutely agree. So then, you seek the hunters. We are to return the favor. Oh, oh no, I would not, I would not think so small as to think them worthy of your skill. They are clearly not. Nice. They are, they are small prey next to those I would hunt. There's more scraping sounds, and the blue light grows brighter as it grows larger, closer. Do you suggest that my thinking is small then? Oh, Well, if not the hunter's... Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It was not an honest threat. It was just a, oh, ho, well, tell me then. <laughs> it's fine. Do you mean to say that my thinking is small to go after these hunters? Well then, what did you have in mind? Who did you have in mind? A demigod who would be a god and his god sidekick. Which ones? Levesque would unrightly take his father's place and Agnitai made a very poor deal with him hmm. and is now under his control. The god of the fiends I know well and she is quite formidable. But who is this Levesque you speak of? What concern should they be to me? Levesque is the demigod of the dwarves. I guess I should explain more than that. He, I've not heard of him. He is reckless and ruthless and absolutely unhinged. Should he ascend to godhood, it would be chaos for the whole world. Well, it's all well and good for why he shouldn't become a god, but what has he done as a demigod that I should be concerned? What makes him uh, a challenge? What would make this fun for me? Oh, shit. I don't know. <laughs> How about he's imprisoned a god? Hmm. Okay, uh, point of order, because I'm trying to remember, sorry, I'm trying to remember what I know versus what nowhere knows. Yeah, but versus um, what we at the table know of Levesque. Right, exactly. So do I know about his kind of like hostile takeover of the glamour? Do I know anything about that? I can't remember. Um, see, that happened after the end of book Three. Wait, wait, wait. Did we hear yeah. about that from Mavic? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mavic would have told okay. you about that. Yeah, that's how okay. you knew he was a threat to begin with. Because I'm like, right, right, what? Right. I'm remembering this. I'm like, why did we know to go after him? Okay. That's fair. It's um, been a long time since we started recording this season. This one's been a long, longer than most. Okay. 
Well, I mean, the fact that he has he has control over a god is alarming enough and shows his skill. He also performed a hostile takeover of one of the most wealthy and I don't want to say that and ruthless organizations in the world. I guess shadow organizations in the world and doesn't seem to really care about any of it. Like that was nothing. And all he cares about is taking his father's trickery and political manipulations are, I suppose, a type of interesting. How does he fare in combat? Uh, Sidebar really quick. Unless anybody objects, I'm going to tell the truth. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) To tell you the truth, we have not faced him yet. We were wary to go it alone because he has a god on his side. Meaning I am less concerned about facing him alone than I am about Agnetai, who is bound to his service. Well, I have never truly fought with a god or a demigod. I can understand why others might be hesitant. Hmm. Is this a task that any of you feel you could accomplish? On your own, without me. Sorry, I'm only hesitating because I'm trying to decide what Arnus thinks is the truth. <laughs> because we're pretty BA. Mm-hmm. Baracus is all around. Yeah. But I don't know, to be honest. I mean, we were all fairly certain that we were going up there to, like, finish this thing, but, like, maybe die. hmm So. I don't know, Darvin? Finnegan? Do you think that to go up without Veriflox would mean failure and or death? Yeah, I do. If you want to be honest about that, you can. Keeping my mouth shut unless Aranus asks my opinion. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then, okay, here's my answer. <laughs> to be honest with you, we don't know. Which is why we're having this conversation. <laughs> we fought a lot of big things but not this. How big? Who's the worst foe that you have defeated? Ooh, okay. Um, the worst or the toughest? However you want to interpret that question. Because to be honest, like the last fight we had was the toughest. <laughs> but the worst foe we defeated was probably... Oh my god. What's his name? Pathox. Got a chaos. You didn't really fight back, though. <laughs> I yeah. Well, and that's 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 the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know what? I'm just gonna tell him all of that. Well, it's an interesting question. The worst, as in like most awful person we've defeated, or rather foe we've defeated, was Pathox, the god of chaos. But in terms of toughness. He really let his lackeys do most of the fighting. He didn't fight back, really, at all. Um, in terms of the toughest fight, we just came from it. We fought the leader of a church of Corum down in Libera by the name of Malsius. He 
was terrible. And then it turned out that there were people. I mean, he was terrible and he was a tough fight on his own. But it turns out that some of the other monks in his church were um, trying to start up a new branch of the church. And they had kind of superpowered themselves. And we all nearly died a lot. Ah, you were the ones who took down Pathox. Which must make you Arnus, Darwin, and Finnegan. Yes, yes, I've heard of you. Most recently from a very vocal group of pirates. Huh. Ah, those liars. Yes, I'm sure you have. <laughs> there are very few that I trust openly and freely. Mm. Those pirates are not among them. <laughs> but there are others who are far more easily swayed. I have a feeling you would find your reputation different here than from your homeland. Earned or not, it's of little consequence to me. Hmm. But yes, I have heard of the fall of Pathox before that. If he did not put up a fight, then... You have not truly fought against a god. Too true. Beaten one, perhaps. But the question remains, though, if any of you can tell me. Would I enjoy this fight? I have no doubt that I could be of use. But can you prove to me that a god and a demigod are worthy foes? Uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, uh, sorry, it's just my instinct is like, surely the fact that it's a god and a demigod would go a long way to proving that, but I'm not sure that's helpful. So, um, yeah. Finnegan or Darwin, do you have any ideas here? I mean, my problem is I either like, I either have to lie and risk rolling deception, which is still a high bonus, but it's definitely not persuasion. Or I have to tell the truth and risk them just going, nah, fuck you. <laughs> Don't worry, I've got other options. Oh, I'm sure. So, I guess that's what I would rather do that than, than, than roll deception. So, can I prove to you? Um, to be honest with you, having never seen Levesque in combat, and having only done the briefest of combats with Agnitai, even that was scary. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it would or not. But that is not only because I do not know their skill, but I do not know yours either. <laughs> not to say that yours is small, that is not the implication at all. But I do not know the combat worthiness on either. From within this cavern, you can hear the sounds of more claw against stone and shuffling and you see this absolutely massive claw reach out and grab around the edge of this opening each of these claws is well bigger than a person and they grip tight around the stone and some of them crack off and fall down into the water below unseen below the clouds are you not a god yourself? 
Do you not travel with formidable allies yourself? If you don't, <clears throat> I can think of a very easy way to test the strength of a god. Right here does not have to be to the last. But we could prove our strength to each other with just a little bloodshed. No, you don't want to say bloodshed. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> but we could prove our strength to each other with some friendly sparring. If you happen to have a demigod with you, all the better. What? Okay, hang on a second. While I... Something. While I... Hang on. Scott knows that Darwin has Cade inside of him. I don't know if he does, because I don't know if that slipped through to the pirates that Darwin has Cade. Yeah, I don't um, think so. But hey, that's, that's what uh, you know. dramatic irony and stuff is all about. Just like, hey, here's something that we know is true. Okay. Yeah. Third option is like, we'll just punch each other and we'll figure out how this, if this will go, if this will work. Am I strong? Are gods strong? Are demigods strong? Let's find out right here. Um, <laughs> Mighty Veriflox, I am humbled by the comparison between not only the two of us, but myself and Agnitai, who is a god far older and far, far outstripping my own skill and knowledge. And though I take your point that we might solve this right now, I would humbly argue that a fight against me is no good comparison for a fight against Agnitai. Hmm. We need to roll. Um, <laughs> roll persuasion. I was waiting. I was like, how long is he going to let me go without rolling? They've just been yammering on. You haven't really tried to push him one way or another. 25. Then what better way to improve than to push yourself to the limits? I, for one, would enjoy seeing a god go all out. But it would not just be you facing off against me, just as it wouldn't be you alone going up against Levesque and Agnitai. Surely, a ship's worth of combatants versus one, even such as myself, could present a challenge. And you haven't even started to ask him about the egg, but that's, that's a very different topic. Uh, that might be too much of a change for this very moment, but just reminding you. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I... Uh, uh... I'm not sure what to say at the because just like I feel like we're not getting out of this without fighting them, but I don't I really don't wanna fight them. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like there are other options, uh, but that's what comes to their mind first is you wanna prove this is gonna be a good fight? Let's have a fight here. Oh, wait idea. Not from me. Got it from Chris. But it's a good idea. Okay. Before we do so, before we come to blows, can I ask you a question? Or rather a second question, since I realize I just There have been many questions, but we don't need to argue semantics with a dragon right now. That's fair. I'm listening. How are you faring in the aftermath of the withering? 
Hmm. It's been a while. They are also very old. What concern of yours is that? Part of my purpose, traveling in the aftermath of the withering, is to heal those that are still afflicted, who have not yet fully healed. My question does not spring from wanting to make a bargain for your help for healing you, but as a show of goodwill that I would extend to anyone standing in front of me. See, it's at this moment I wish he could like pull somebody out of a pocket that I know you hate and want to heal. <laughs> but we're so far removed from any of the people that you would know. <laughs> uh, hmm. Uh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. I have not fully recovered, but I can assure you that I am still quite capable. If the withering has passed, as it seems to have, I will recover with time. I have withstood a great many calamities and foes. This will pass. I would not ask for your aid before I have done anything for you. You do not have to ask for what I offer freely. Mm-hmm. Roll one more persuasion. There's something he wants to do, but I want to make sure that you're still coming across well. Oh, dear. 28. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can take your words to heart, and you truly do wish for my assistance... Perhaps it would be better if you joined me in here. Come, enter my lair. I assure you will have a safe place to land. We can discuss this in a more comfortable setting. Uh, oh, oh, okay. What do people think? You want to enter the dragon's lair? Yep. Upon Veriflox's invitation... Ulwan will guide the ship into their cavern. Inside, the clouds make it almost impossible to see very far. There is a constant bright blue light bobbing through the space, and it isn't immediately clear where to go once you're in here. But before there can be any real debate about it, everybody feels the ship shake as Veriflox grabs it from underneath and starts guiding it towards a place farther within the cavern. They set the ship down on a large, flat, open space. There's a semicircle of torches glowing here, and you can see a well-paved path leading away. And they say, Let us discuss this in my guest house. Please, join me. I will meet you inside. Okay. So who's all going in? Yep. Terrifying, but yep. Yeah, 100%. Do you want to bring any of your party members with you? I'm bringing Cyril. (laughs) Cyril, I just assumed at this point. Do you want to bring any of your NPC allies with you? I don't think so. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Darvin, you need anybody there with you? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. Certainly this is a safe enough space. Uh, I shouldn't say that. As long as Varifox is in here, they are dangerous if they choose to be. (laughs) But it wouldn't really make a difference if you're in their guest house or if you're in your ship. 
but certainly your party can stay behind on the ship. They might get out and stretch their legs, look around, but as you get off of the ship, as you disembark, it's very difficult to tell what else is in here outside of this landing platform and that path. Just because the clouds are so thick in here and the lighting is pretty low. But heading up this path, after two, three hundred feet, you come up to this rather sizable residence built into the side of the cavern, the facade of which is very finely crafted. There are a lot of hard angles in the door frames, the window frames, the external embellishments, and there's candlelight glowing from within. There's a large door at the front, and it is already ajar. You may go in as you see fit. Okay. I'm following. Okay. Inside, you're greeted by a rather nice environment. Low, yet comfortable-looking couches, chairs, ornately designed furniture, bookshelves, and a very pleasing, savory smell coming from further within. Anything you want to do in here before Veriflox joins you? Not touch anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay. There are certainly more doorways. This looks like it is a very big residence. And after a few minutes, you can hear Veriflox coming down the stairs. They are no longer in their dragon form. They've chosen a much more suitable form for speaking within this environment. As you may recall from your interactions with Vizcara and Ezabeth, and even Orizaba, dragons can take other forms. The chromatic dragons, as opposed to the metallic dragons, still show signs of their true nature. So, coming down the stairs, there's a four-foot-tall, blue-dragon-scale-covered-looking dwarf person in fine clothes, very soft, supple leather, Layered with a nice like house coat. They still have bright blue eyes and a small singular horn at the center of their head. Welcome to my guest house. Is there anything I can get for you while we discuss this uh opportunity? Uh, no, no, I'm 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 fine. Thanks. Uh-huh. I'm fine. Turns to look at Finnegan and Cyril. Well, if no one's taking anything, I'm I'm gonna not take anything. Okay. So, and and I don't say anything. I just kind of I just give the like I'm good wife. Okay. Well, suit yourselves. They'll pour themselves a glass of brandy and just slowly take a sip from it. Well, I hope you feel a little bit more comfortable here than our current speaking arrangement. But I didn't bring you here for comfort. You, you want me to join you on some sort of escapade to go fight a god and a demigod of unknown ability. I still want to know why I should. I still want to know why this will be an enjoyable experience for me. At this point, I kind of look to the rest of the group because I am not sure what uh, what other arguments are to be made here? So okay. they say. Now, if it were up to me, I would just prefer a sparring match, so to speak. 
so I could see what a god is capable of, even if you're not as skilled as Agni-type might be. But if you're opposed, I don't see a reason why I should force that situation. So I'm open to other methods of proving this. This Levesque person, dwarven demigod, you've seen him in person, yes? Ooh. Uh, oh, Chris is nodding, so we must have at some point. Um, yes, yes, you did. Yeah, yes, we have. <laughs> Finnegan did not, but Darwin and Arnas certainly did. Okay, sorry. I'm just, again, I'm struggling with, like, what did Nowhere see versus what did Arnas see? <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, what has Arnas seen? Uh, yes, we have seen him in person. And do you know anything of his abilities? Um, no. No. No, no you wouldn't. Lesk <laughs> uh, <laughs> did not fight in that encounter. He sent Agnitai and some goons after you. Right. Hmm. The thrill of fighting a god and a demigod could be of interest to me. But without proof that it could actually be fun, I'm a little hesitant to leave my home. Outside of that, is there anything in this for me? And again, I'm, I'm struggling because I'm like, I wonder if they would think it was fun to help give birth to a phoenix. Maybe? Maybe not? Wouldn't hurt Maybe. Yeah, it's worth a shot. Mm-hmm. What else do we have? I mean, nothing. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're pretty much permanently on the edge of a fight here (laughs) anyway. So, okay. Aside from all that, what's in it for me? Well, I don't know what your experiences have been with phoenixes, but if you see fit to help my friend here give birth to a lightning phoenix, then you can fight alongside one. like. Dual lightning abilities, which would be really cool. <laughs> Sorry. And even Arnis is like, oh my God, that would be so cool. <laughs> like, <clears throat> and then tries to compose himself <laughs> a little bit. This Levesque has lightning phoenixes, or there are some uh, nearby. No, we have a lightning phoenix egg. May I see it? I just kind of turned to Finn and I'm like, your, your show, oh, yeah. man. And I've been carrying this thing around everywhere. I kind of like whip my satchel around just a little and, and, and hold up the, the flap and say, I, the uh, secondary reason why we're here was the hope that while traveling with us, you might be interested in helping hatch this egg and, um, taking on the adventure of watching a young lightning Phoenix grow and learn Maybe even sparring with it. Hmm. They hold out a hand. May I? Uh, and you can see the like inner turmoil in Finnegan in this moment. But if no one else looks concerned, he kind of like very gingerly and very hesitantly kind of reaches in the bag and, and presents it over to the dragon. Mm-hmm. Verifox will take the egg, walk over to that big low couch, sit down, turning the egg in their hand, rotating it, inspecting it from different angles. And just by being in their hand, even in this dwarf-like form, you can see a little bit of blue light 
They're crackling within. Hmm. Been a while since I've seen one of these. Hmm. Very interesting creatures. Phoenixes, of course. Depending on how things work out, the phoenixes could outlive us all. But of course, each time they rehatch, it's a new experience for them. So even if they end up living thousands of years, they still might only have the mind of a child. Depending on how long they last, of course. Um, Let's get a roll here. There's some bribery type stuff going on. Let's get some persuasion. Who do you I want to help. roll that? I know. Since we were both talking. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's kind this, of work. I would argue in this situation, I'm helping Arnis. That's true, because I was the one initially making the argument. Yeah. And then yeah. Finn just kind of like handed over the egg and finished it off. All right, Arnis. Let's roll some persuasion and then get advantage, because so far you are trusting them with this egg. Flip some pages and then roll some dice. Here we go. Oh, thank God for advantage. You want to see that spread? That's insane. Well, I rolled a two and a 19. So, <laughs> One shy of a crit on either end. Yep. <laughs> Whew. That comes to a 34. It's mm, a pretty good persuasion. And like they said, it's been a while since they've seen a phoenix. I could certainly help with this egg, if that's what you want. It has been some time since I've fought alongside anyone. Could be interesting. I think they're like halfway there into helping you, like going with you. So this is a good first part of a bribe and ex- of experience. Not that I, they are asking for a bribe altogether. I'm sorry. Let Didn't me try want to put that thought here. into your head. Let me try something here. I'm not a talker, okay. so I'm going to need some help on this, but I'm going to say, I, so I may not be able to help explain why this is fun, but I may be able to add some seasoning to why this is such a unique and interesting opportunity for you. You see, part of the reason why we're here. And at this point, I begin to kind of like gesture with the medallion that Yoru gave us. Is that I come bearing the blessing of Yoru. I, a Tiefen, in a very unique situation, have Yoru's blessing upon my quest. For I am uniquely united as one who is a fiend and worked common side by side with dragons. I've served Yoru and I do believe that this is one of those adventures that the gods smile upon, and as such, will be the type of thing that will be written about in the history books, should we succeed. That's what I've got to bring to the table. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very interesting argument. Pretty good. Darwin or Arnis, is there anything you want to add? You don't want me to, to... roll this by myself, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um... They've got a follow-up question before you roll, but I just want to know if anyone's chiming in before they ask their question i don't think i can Uh, help i so what i will add is that you know not only written in history books but surely bards will sing of this like throughout the land and in fact you know what whatever the rest of them do you better believe i'm writing about it and we'll sing it everywhere i go i get around (laughs) so this quest of yours is Supported by the gods, you say. What about Agnitai? Does she want this quest of yours to succeed? 
Do you want to mention the fact that we talked to Agnitai? Because we did. We've talked to all of the gods about this, Quinn. Most of the gods. Not all. A vast majority. Did we actually talk to Agnitai? She was there she in, was the, present. in the looking glass, yeah. When you spoke with the other, like, half of all the gods. Yeah, she was there. Okay, I'm going to be really honest and say I don't remember what she had to say about it. Like, Shannon doesn't remember. Mm-hmm. She, I do remember at the very least that she, that Finnegan stepped forward and essentially said like, hey, you're my God and I will do what I can to free you. And she said, if you did that, then I would owe you a bet, a boon or a debt or something like that. Like she fully supported Finnegan taking upon the quest of freeing her. Yeah. Okay. Agnitai does not like being controlled like this no, through no. her own means, like. It's kind of the things she does. Like she's big on making deals that either work out to her benefit or at least fun or interesting. You know, she didn't know who Levesque was when she agreed to it. And now she's doing this a little too constrictive for her tastes. Okay. So, okay. He asked that question, right? What of Agni tied? Does she know of your question? Does she support this? If all Um, the gods do, then surely the one we are fighting is in support of this. Actually, yes, she is, oddly enough. She she got tricked, essentially, into making this deal with Levesque and gave Finn her blessing to like go on a quest to get her out of it. <laughs> so, yeah, all of them. Or as, yeah, <laughs> don't hedge. <laughs> <laughs> this gets a good chuckle out of them. Just the idea of a god being tricked. Especially her. All right, Finnegan. Let's roll some persuasion with advantage. Pretty sure my bonus is zero, but let's just double check. Yep. Whole na- uh, zero bonus, so let's hope for the best, people. Mm-hmm. 19. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's very nicely rolled. It's a two 19s in a row, then, on persuasion. Hmm. Fox continues, if she wants you to succeed, then why would we need to fight her at all? She will be compelled then to fight against you. Is that what I am to understand? Oh, that is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's like stroking at his chin. In terms of like facial features, I do kind of imagine a bearded dragon look going on. Mostly because they are taking a dwarf-ish type form. It's very round chin. Lots of scales still kind of sticking out. Hmm. So we would need to fight a god who is admittedly powerful. And we'd have to go up against this Levesque who may or may not be. And just so I'm absolutely clear here, you want to stop Levesque before he kills his father and takes his place. Yes. Even though, correct me if I'm wrong here, they look at the three of you. At that point, Agni Tai would no longer be bound to him. Yes. And I will tell you why. So we've been in a situation before where we have had to kill a god and uh, it didn't it didn't go well. Oh, I'm well aware. We don't have anyone around, um, or at least that we are aware of, who is a who 
would be able, willing, able to take up that mantle should we kill Levesque after he has taken his father's place. So we would run into a mm-hmm. another withering situation, most likely. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it would be a withering situation. I'm pretty sure it would be a all dwarves dying situation. Yeah. Yeah. It could take the same form as the withering or it could be different. Who's to say? But yeah. Let's see. I'm rather fond of the dwarves. At least the ones here anyways. Would be a shame to lose them. They'll get up from the couch, approach you, Finnegan, hand you back the phoenix egg. Do take good care of this. Aye. I have been guarding it quite well and will continue to do so. Mm-hmm. They head back over to their sidebar, top off their brandy, turn, take another sip. Hmm. And they pace over to Darwin. You, young man. Me? Yes. <laughs> the smile swirls the brandy a little bit. You've been somewhat quiet on the matter. Why are you so interested in having me join you? This one is offering me songs. This one, a chance to play with a lightning phoenix. Why do you think I should join? Crap, hang on. (laughs) Because it'll be fun. God versus God. With the phoenix. And me. And you. Hmm. They study you for a moment. You do seem to have been... mm, Touched. By a god in some way, though I can't tell how. It's a bit off-putting, the not knowing. What exactly has happened to you? Well, I, I serve Coram, but also Cade is traveling with me. Cade, Cade, Cade. The demigod of land, right? Mandeville, there we go. To remember his last name, demigod of land, Cade Mandeville. Now him I know. He's a very ambitious young man. He's with you now. He is. I could have sworn he had died. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> Possible. I was there. Ooh. I could have sworn he died. Prove to me that you have Cade with you. Show me him. Can I speak with him? He can, right? He can what? I, can I help him speak with Cade? I forget how that works. Or can Cade just talk to him? I don't know. Cade's inside your head. I don't think you've ever given him, like, control over your body before. Okay, maybe I'll just ask Cade what he wants me to do then. Let's do that. He's smart. Uh-huh. Okay. Darvin, first things first. Roll for divine charges. We need to know how many you have. Kate's going to need some. Oh, yes. Hey, I got a seven. Ooh. Hmm. Well, if you're not going to give Kate control over your body, which is fine, it's understandable. There's definitely more interesting ways to do this. What if you could sculpt something that would be of meaning, of significance between the two of them? Sculpt? Yeah, I mean, like the, uh, you've got that pillar ability, right? That'd be pretty badass. What if, what if you could shape it into something unique? Yes. Okay. So you want to ask Cade for some help here? 
Yes. So Darwin, you ask Cade for any ideas here. He says, yes, but I'll need your help, Darwin. There's a certain runic pillar that I entrusted to him. I doubt that very many others know it. If you could craft it, that might prove your case. So, uh, let's see. I think the empowered movement pillar would be the way to do this. At least the base of it. Um, create a pillar. grows in a direction of your choosing. Let's spend divine china. Okay. This doesn't need to be a huge pillar. So I think one charge to make a pillar, and then a second divine charge for Cade to craft it in the fashion of this runic pillar that he's talking okay. about. That sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Let's have you roll. Mm. This could be oh so many things. I mean, it could be religion because you're channeling divine power. It could be arcana because you're channeling divine power. Could be persuasion since you're using this to convince somebody. Religion sounds good to me. Religion sounds good. All right. Go ahead and roll this. Okay. I got a 16. Ooh. Because as long as you're still in control, the magic, the uh, the fine-tuning of this still flows through you. But a 16 is still decently done. You grow this pillar right in the middle of this living room. It shoots up eight, nine feet. And this looks much different from when you've done it before. When you've used these pillars before, it's just been about movement, launching yourself up and otherwise. This one comes out of the ground much more cleanly, almost spiraling as it emerges. It's very smooth and square-like, almost like an obelisk. And as it emerges up, there are runes on each of the four faces. Um, does anybody here know the Terran language? Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Okay. This is the language that Earth elementals speak. It's kind of the language of land in some cases. And Veriflox kind of stops, looks in awe at this pillar. I see. Have you told him? Side question. Have you all told him your names? I don't know if we have directly at this <laughs> point, but I didn't not. Uh, Are you okay with him knowing your names? I guess is the question. Yeah. They yes. seem to know mine. Well, so yeah, little miss, <laughs> I'm a god. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, no Oscar here. Yeah. Veriflox says, Darvin, have you seen this before? Do you know what this is? I never have, and I don't, but I could ask. Hmm. Okay, by all means, ask. Ask, kid, what is this? What does it mean? Darvin, roll me persuasion. Oh. I want to know how much truth Cade's going to give you here. I rolled okay. I got a 17. Hey. Ooh. We're getting good rolls tonight. Good rolls tonight. So far. Hmm. Darvin, this pillar is from a chamber that I tasked Veriflox with watching over. It was, it was a workshop of mine, I guess you could say. I never intended to leave it to them, but when I knew that I wasn't going to survive, needed somebody to look over it. We both seem to have a connection to this land here. As I said, here in Celestia, there is living land. This is one of the places where we could find it. Okay. I repeat all of that back. It's a 
pillar from a workshop that you were guarding once. And also, incidentally, he wants me to free him in living land. <laughs> also, Just kind of tossing that out there. <laughs> but, but we could probably do that after the fight, I'm thinking. I watch over it still, Darvin. I personally have no need for it, but Cade was a friend. It is a friend if you carry him with you. So I saw no harm in watching over what he valued. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what else does he say about it? Um, living land, he says. Hmm. I didn't know all of the particulars of that room, of what he was working on, but I guess it shouldn't surprise me. Kate always did have a certain ambition about him. It's one of the reasons we got along. So Cade wants to finish this fight against Levesque, and then be taken there? I think Cade's mostly interested in being taken there, but he's willing to help me out, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cade can go either way. You may not be entirely deathless at this point, but you're still death-resistant, let's say. And you haven't done anything to lead him to believe that you won't uphold your end of the deal. Hmm. All right. Well, if it's a chance to help birth this lightning phoenix, maybe have another song about me, best of all, help out Cade. Hmm. I could see myself helping you. They turn to Finnegan. Finnegan, when and where did you want to take care of this egg? Soon, but not here. Oh, but you know what? The idea of them doing lightning breath like on the ship's probably a bad idea. So I think Finnegan gets, gets really excited. Like as this starts to settle in, like that it's going to happen and you start to see him like he's looking around and he's like, okay, how is this going to be? You see the wheels spinning and he's, and he says, um, oh, so this is happening. You're going to join us. Like just confirming everything like a little kid. Unless there's a reason why I shouldn't that you've been keeping from me. <sighs> Wonderful. Then let's do this. Why don't we have some of our allies help you collect the things you'd like to take with us? And I will prepare a place for us to work on the hatching before we leave. Because I do not believe it'd be the best idea to try and hatch this on the ship. No, probably not. There's plenty of room out in the cavern, though. This is just a guest house for friends and folks such as yourself. Outside is where... I can rest in my true form and make myself comfortable. There's no doubt we could find room out there. As for your shipmates, invite them in. Have some food. Have some drink. Rest here. Oh, and, and with that, Finnegan's off. He's going to get people off the ship to start helping packing. He's going to like set up a place to hatch the egg. Finnegan is all business, 100 zeroed in at this point. <laughs> Arnis and Darvin. What are you doing at this point? To be honest, Arnis is is just kind of staring at Darvin in awe at this point. I think it's the longest amount of time in a negotiation that I've spent not talking ever. <laughs> um, and so I'm just like, oh my God, like I didn't have to bat that run in. Like you, you, <laughs> you, you did that, buddy. That's awesome. <laughs> Just like, I don't, I, I'm not really sure what happened, but it, it was amazing. <laughs> I didn't think that was going to work that way either. 
dice were on your side. Arnis, for once, is speechless. Okay. Do the two of you want to make yourselves comfortable in this guest house? Do you want to help get people off the ship? Do you want to go join Finnegan with the egg? What's up? Actually, yeah, I want to join Finnegan. That sounds cool to see. Then I will go help get people off the ship. Okay. Once I, like, snap out of it. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Arnis, as you bring people back to this guest house and start going deeper into it, you discover that there are more than enough rooms for everybody on the ship. They are not kept in pristine condition. After all, this is just Veriflox here. They don't have servants. There's no maid. There's no butler. It's just a big guest house. He keeps it tidy. But there's some dust, of course. You know, the sheets aren't pressed or anything. It's not that fancy. It's just a comfy place where they can have visitors come and stay. Meanwhile, out in the cavern proper, Finnegan and Darvin prepping for hatching this egg. Are you just by the ship there? Oh, I think we're going to go a little bit deeper in than that. Like, we don't want to just... If if there's a fiasco, I don't want to blow anything important up. <laughs> okay. Well, the nice, smooth, paved path leads up to the guest house. But it's not like you're on a cliff. You can just go into some rougher terrain. As you do so, the light becomes more and more diffused. Are the two of you talking about anything while you prepare? I mean, I think Finnegan at this point's really zeroed in and focused on like preparation stuff. So aside from like logistics, there's nothing on Finnegan's brain. But if Darwin's got something to talk about, like I'm not going to not talk to Darwin. No, I'm mostly just trying to listen to Finn and help and not screw anything up. Okay, okay. In which case, enough time has passed where everybody's been able to get off the ship, go into the guest house, and you've wandered far enough away from the ship that if anything goes wrong, probably won't be in danger. And then Veriflox joins you. There's a heavy sound of feet on stone deep within the clouds in here. The static electricity in the air builds, and there's that bright blue light again. And you can hear them moving through the cloud cover. Well, Finnegan and Darvin, I trust you're making yourselves comfortable out here. I, uh, we've been doing what we can to, to prepare for, for your arrival and, and, and the attempt to hatch this egg. <laughs> you can hear the sound of their wings. Massive. Beating. And the clouds in here start to move. And the first thing that clears away is over by the guest house. And from here, the shape of it becomes a little bit more distinct. From up close, looking up, it's just this big house facade carved into the side of the cavern. Lots of hard angles. As the clouds pull away, you can see that the building itself, the outline of the facade there, is shaped like the head of a giant hammer. Nice. And then this huge blue-scaled dragon foot <sighs> comes down next to you. And as you look up, the clouds continue to push away. And Veriflox in person is just massive. As I mentioned before, each claw is as big as you. 
looking up is like this close. It's like looking up a mountain. That's mostly perspective playing a trick, but mm-hmm. 50, 60 feet up, huge scales. No less intimidating. Hardened and scraped over time. The scales are almost entirely blue. There are a few that are white, some that look like they could still be impacted by the weathering, but they don't seem to slow Veriflox down. And as your gaze moves upward, you can see just this massive mouth filled with incredibly sharp and large teeth. And as they breathe, there's just lightning, just tiny crackles of it around the edges of their mouth. They stare down this huge horn, ten feet perhaps, sticking out from their head, eyes glowing a piercing blue. And they look down at the two of you. (sighs) Where is this egg? And with that, we'll bring this chapter to a close. But the story will always continue. Thanks again to all of our Patreon patrons for your support. If you'd like to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and pick out a level that's right for you. Before we go, I'd like to give special thanks to everyone at the $5 and up tiers. At the $5 city council level, thank you, Shannon DeMello. At the $10 mayor level, thank you, Christopher DeMello. At the $15 governor level, thank you, Phoenix Bryan and Sierra Jones. Thank you for listening to this chapter in Seasons of Skyrend. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. If you want to chat, we're on Twitter at Skyrend Podcast. You can join our Discord server, or you can email us at skyrendpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us online at skyrendpodcast.com. As always, thanks to Daryl Barnes for creating our theme music. You can find them on Twitter at Daryl Barnes underscore. We also want to thank the talented at Gabby underscore Desu on Twitter for our fantastic podcast art. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Seasons of Skyrend.